Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and co-parents of all ages, this podcast is for you. Introducing in the center ring, the amicable divorce expert, Judith Weigel. Last week, I formally introduced you to Recipe for a Heart Healthy Divorce. It's a four-step process that I organized from different people who I've done business with or interviewed on the podcast over the past 11 years. Two clients in particular, way back in the first and second year of me Uh, filing for people, you know, opening up that side of my business, these two particular couples taught me the first step in the recipe for a heart-healthy divorce, and that was settle the emotions, settle all of the anger, really get clear and comfortable with the reason why you're getting divorced, and forgiveness has to be part of that, so that you can then open up the legal side of the divorce file, maybe mediate, and come to terms with each other without hostility, without being acrimonious. Today, we're going to talk about the second step in the recipe for a heart-healthy divorce. We're going to talk about the communication piece. And I titled this episode, Communication is Your Key to Control. Now, what I'm going to teach you today can literally work in any situation in your life where there is some level of conflict. You know, we all get into situations at work with friends, um, being stopped by the police if we're speeding, um, buying a product that doesn't work, going into a restaurant, the food isn't what we ordered. You know, so from small to big situations, communication is our key to control into really getting a better outcome. And it's not that we want to literally control the other person and manipulate them, but we want to control ourselves. We want to never say, God, I wish I would have done that differently. If I had just responded differently, how would this have turned out more favorably? Probably. And that's, again, any situation that you find. So I want to go through what communication looks like, good and bad communication, in one of the most difficult situations in our lives, and that's divorce. So, first of all, what defines communication? That's the first thing. And it's a little more than what we think it is. So, what defines communication? are the words we choose, the tone of voice we use, and how we physically appear if we're negotiating and communicating in person. So again, it's the words we choose, it's the tone of voice we use. So you can be using the right words, but the tone of voice can be really shitty, arrogant, and not not supporting and complying with the words that are coming out of our mouth. So everything has to be the same. We have to choose words that are not offensive, that don't hurt the other person, that don't seem arrogant. And the tone of voice we have to use has to have compassion. So I broke it down to bad communication, 
good communication. So I want to stick with those two right now. And then we're going to talk about how communication uh, works when you're in a mediation, when you're in court, it all matters with your attorneys. So how does bad communication sound? Well, bad communication is filled with anger, yelling, arrogant, and threatening. So let's start with the very first time this could happen in a divorce situation. Here's what it sounds like. One spouse says to the other spouse, in so many words, I think it's time that we transition out of the marriage. I really do think divorce is a better choice than to continue to live our lives the way we're living. And the response is, now that's good communication, by the way, soft tone of voice, not you know what? This is horrible. What you've done to me is really bad. I want a divorce. I want out. I can't do this anymore. Okay, that's not good communication. What I gave you first was good communication. I think it's time that we have a talk about transitioning out of the marriage. We've tried. Things have happened. I'm not able to go back to a trust situation. You know, if there was infidelity, that definitely has a place. And it's just not fair to our kids that we live like this. Now, here's bad communication back to that good communication. What are you talking about? I'm not going to let you divorce me. I don't care what happened. Um, if if you divorce me, I'll take you for everything. And I'll I'll have full custody of the kids. Okay, now that's threatening, that's bullying, that's filled with anger. And basically, you're talking to somebody or listening to somebody who has no clue what they're talking about. For somebody to say, I'll take everything and I'll get full custody of the kids, you apparently have either, that person apparently has not talked to an attorney because there is no state in the union that lets one person take everything including full custody of the kids just because they're angry about getting divorced. It simply doesn't happen. But isn't it interesting that the other person will give power to that sense of a bag of nonsense? Why would you give power? Okay, so you're afraid. Can he do that? Can he really do that? Well, I've never been divorced before. I have no idea whether somebody can do that. Okay, the answer is no, nobody can do that. But even if you don't clearly know the answer, no, nobody can do that, don't engage in the argument. It's a pointless waste of time to engage in the argument. What you want to do is assert quiet control over yourself. And if you, can, if you assert control over yourself, you're going to assert some level of control over the other spouse's anger. So here's what you would say in return to, I'm going to take you for everything. You divorce me. You'll, you have no clue what this is going to be like. You're going to wish you had never done it. Words to that effect. All you have to say is, I hear you. I hear you. That's it. Nothing more needs to be said. I hear you. What do you mean you hear me? You're going to let me take everything? You're going to let me have full custody of the children? Really? 
well, no, I hear you. I hear this is what you would like to have happen. I hear you. But we're going to be engaging legal professionals. So I'm just going to wait and hear what they have to say. Okay, I know what they're going to say. Right. I know what they're going to say. They're going to say uh, that I will get everything. I can have full custody of the kids. And the only thing back to say is, I hear you. There's nowhere to go with I hear you. And then you can actually stop talking. You don't have to continue to have the conversation. You can walk away. You can say, well, I have nothing more to say right now. I hear you. Okay. But I know what you want. I understand. I understand. I mean, where is this going to go? Nowhere. And just move on, get out of the conversation and wait till you hire legal professionals. Now, how does good communication sound? Good communication is listening to learn, not listening to set up your own counter defense, but listening to really learn about what is being communicated. Because essentially what is being communicated is fear. That's what's being communicated. I am completely fearful. I feel out of control. And in order to feel like I'm back in control, I'm going to pummel you. And I'm going to say absurd things that are never going to come true. And I instinctively know that. But you're easy to control. You're easy to scare. So I'm just going to say what I want to say. All right. Good communication is listening to learn. Whatever is being spoken to you, just listen. Don't interrupt. Speak from the heart without blame. I think it's time that we talk about transitioning out of the marriage. We haven't been living well lately. I think we need to have this discussion. That's speaking without blame. Soft or non-threatening tone of voice, just like I used. A little compassion, okay, that may be very difficult to muster. Compassion cannot be given if there's been a high-end adultery, high-end financial malfeasance. At least at the beginning, it's really difficult to muster compassion. Eventually, you actually can. Eventually, when things are sorted out, you can have some degree of compassion because, listen, I'm going to quote Maya Angelou, the poet laureate, when you know better, you do better. And sometimes we just don't know better. You know, you may be surprised. Well, how can you not know better? How can you not know that committing adultery is going to ruin the marriage? People have their own needs. People have their own motivations. People have their own reasons for doing things that are very hurtful to other people. When we are confronted with those things, we do have to make a decision how we want to handle them. Do we want to accept them without saying anything? Do we want to address them and maybe get help? Do we want to address them in a way that ends the relationship? So you have all of these choices. But at some point, a little compassion, because the person who has perpetrated ills on the marriage, there's something wrong. They're, they're in need. 
and you're not. That's when compassion kicks in. When you're really not in need and they are, and this is why they did things. Now, I understand that perpetrating ills on the marriage will tend to change your entire life. That's okay. It's how you deal with the change that matters. Can you rise above the change? Can you, can you use the change to make your life better in ways that maybe you never thought of? That's philosophically how I look at change. Change hurts a lot initially. It does. And you have to address that hurt. You have to grieve that hurt. You have to work with that hurt. But at some point, you just look at, okay, how can I make this benefit me? There's a huge change in my life. I didn't cause it. I didn't ask for it. But now I have to deal with it. And it could be the best thing that ever happened to you. And then lastly, and this is really hard to do, but people do it at some point, asking questions of the other person to get a deeper understanding of what they're saying. You do have to ask the why questions. Can you just, but, but in a lower tone of voice, can you just explain to me why? I simply need to understand where you're coming from. I need to compartmentalize this. I need to make sense of this so that I can deal with it, so that I can uh, accept this in my life as a change that maybe I didn't ask for, but I have to deal with. And so ask questions so that you can truly understand. And if the other person starts answering in a way that they're blaming you, just say, can you please not blame me? Can you please talk about why you chose the path you chose instead of coming to me and allowing me to address things that maybe you weren't happy with? Well, I tried to. You just weren't listening. Okay. I'll accept that. Maybe I wasn't listening, but I'm listening now. So let's talk about it because we both have to move on. And especially if you have children, my God, you don't really get to move on, do you? You get to move on in half of your life, the half of your life that is just you. You get to have another relationship if you choose. You get to live in a way that you don't have to be beholden to somebody else. But you do have to interface with each other if you have children. So it's super important that you really start communicating on a different level. And if you have a spouse, excuse me, that is not changing, is angry, 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 just can't get over their anger. They've always had anger. Sometimes people have always been angry at the other spouse from the get-go. Well, they're not going to get over that anger very easily, but you don't have to accept it. And I'm going to show you how next. You don't have to accept it, but you don't have to get angry back. You can be firm, but you don't have to get angry back. Okay. There's a communication technique that I teach that I learned from somebody that I met uh, and uh, in, in the family law community, his name is Bill Eddy, E-D-D-Y. I adore this man. Go on Amazon. He has written, what, 30, maybe 30 plus books now on how to communicate 
in high conflict situations. So Bill started as a family law attorney years ago, and he wondered why people act crazy, why people seem irrational, why they even want to blame him. Because when people are in the middle of blaming, they'll blame anybody in their path. And believe me, I've been on the receiving end of that blame. Not when I've been mediating. People are very different in mediation, I have found. We work as a team. And I'm invested in a different way as a mediator than I am when I'm filing for people. So attorneys file for people. Uh, paralegals known as document preparation people file for people. And this is where I think a lot of the problems occur because there's no outlet for people's anger except the court system. And if ever I'm going to get blamed for anything, it's when, and attorneys too, it's when we're in relationships in which we're filing. And I still haven't made as much sense of that as I need to, but that's where those problems occur. It's where I feel like a little duck on one of those, in one of those games at the carnival or the county fair where you have little chicks or ducks or bunnies going by and you have to shoot them. I feel like that sometimes. I feel like I'm walking on an emotional landmine and that's because people are fragile. People are stressed out. People don't know how to communicate. And they just have to let it out with anybody they're talking to. Okay, back to Bill. So Bill got into being a social worker because he needed to understand people more. He couldn't understand. He was doing a great job. He thought he was compassionate, doing the best he can. Nobody can guarantee you how things are going to turn out in court. And we don't really know who we're dealing with until we're in a relationship with them. And then people let out their true colors and we're like, oh my God, why did I even agree to do this? It's, it's painful, but that's why he became a licensed social worker. He really, he really wanted to understand how people think and how they behave. And then he became a mediator and then he became a prolific author. And this is what he teaches people. This is what most of his books are about. They're about communicating in high conflict situations. And I'm going to teach you his method of communicating that does not fail. Does not. I use it myself. I've had clients that have used it. Uh, there have been testimonials from people on Amazon and in his various books where people say, my God, your method works. Can't believe it. It works. Turned everything around for me and then sometimes turned everything around for the entire divorce. It lives, his approach lives by the acronym BIF. B-I-F-F. BIF stands for brief, informative, friendly, and firm. Brief, informative, friendly, and firm. He also said, and I'm going to, I'm going to take you through some situations and, and how BIF applies and what BIF sounds like. But he also says, when you get a toxic text, a toxic email, a toxic voicemail, do not respond same day. Don't respond same day. There's rarely a deadline. Oh, and if you're given a deadline, ignore it. Your spouse is not the keeper of deadlines. 
nor are you. You can't be giving each other like these firm deadlines. And I want a response today. No, no, you don't need a response today. You don't, nobody's required to engage in your argument. And people don't know what to do. Either high conflict people feel out of control, so therefore they want to start an argument and regain control because they know how to argue better than you. Don't engage. Brief, informative, friendly, and firm. Okay, so let me give you back that same example that I gave you earlier. You know... I've been thinking about this. If you go through with this divorce, I'm going to take you for everything and I'm going to get full custody of the kids. Don't you worry. I'll make it so that you will be so sorry that you started this and ruined my life, ruined the life of the kids. Now, if you get that in a text or an email or a voicemail, first of all, do not respond same day. Let it go, because the last words hanging out there will be those toxic words. Where are you? I told you I wanted an answer today. Do not answer. Wait till tomorrow. Let's use Biff in this case. Brief. I received your message. Informative. I've been processing your message. Friendly. I do not feel adversarial towards you as you seem to feel adversarial towards me. Firm. I do not want to engage in an argument with you. Voila. Done. Well, what do you mean you don't want to engage in an argument with me? We're getting divorced. That's what this is. It's all about arguing. Now, in the brief, informative, friendly, and firm model, you don't really have to respond, but but you can do one response. I think at least one response after that, a second response, um, is probably good. And stay the course. I do understand your message. I also understand that you're upset. I do not want to argue with you. That's not where I want to be. So I'm not going to argue with you. Let's wait till legal professionals get involved and make that the last time you talk. If if he or she keeps coming at you, let it go. There's nowhere to go. Now, if you you are married to somebody who has exhibited domestic violence, if you are really worried that this is going to escalate from words to physical harm or financial harm, something like this, you absolutely need to see an attorney. Without a doubt, you let somebody else take over and you have to protect yourself. That is not the run of the mill divorce. But if that is your situation, now you need to involve somebody to help you, to protect you, and they will know what to do. Okay, I want to give you another situation. Um, You're already living apart, you're co-parenting, and the other spouse is continuously changing the schedule, is continuously coming late. And it really is compromising you and you do not have to accept that. So how do you handle it? Well, let's just take 
um, continuously late. You can just say, I understand your schedule is volatile. I understand that you're doing your best getting here at the time that we've scheduled. I just need you to know that it's difficult on me when I can't um, I can't feel comfortable with the time appointed. If we need to change the schedule uh, to something that accommodates you more, I'm happy to do that. I just would like to get it to a point where it flows and that uh, we each acknowledge each other's time and show up on time. There's nothing argumentative about that. Well, don't you think that I'm trying? Don't I ever get any credit for trying? You know I'm working under a difficult situation. One more response. No, I really do understand this is difficult for you. I may have a little more flexibility than you do. So I'm willing to change the schedule so that I know you're able to get here at the time that we said for the exchange. So is there a better time, a better schedule for you? And let's see if this will work for all of us. Tone of voice was good. The words you chose were good. You're trying to be accommodating. and But you're saying what you need to say. You're not sacrificing yourself. You know, unless you are that flexible and it doesn't matter, and don't worry about, well, I need to be respected. He or she doesn't respect me. You know what? You're getting divorced because there was no respect. It's not going to change overnight. You're not going to all of a sudden get respect, right? No. So you kind of have to move that one aside. Just look at the less emotional piece of this, and that is, I just would like some consistency. I just need consistency because what if I want to run out? What if I didn't have to come home that quickly to be there? You know, you just root it in logistics more than this is a personal affront to me because if somebody doesn't understand that, I don't think they're ever going to understand that. I really don't. Here's the last example I want to give. Uh, and this can be, you're not yet living in two separate houses. You're still living together and you have children and you have activities for the kids that come off at a certain time. So let me give you an example that I have used in my workshops and it really hits home. So you're still living together. You know you're going to be getting divorced. You have two small children, three years old and five years old, and it's a five-year-old piano recital day. There is a rehearsal before the recital at one o'clock in the afternoon, and then the recital itself is at three. So everybody, and, oh, and by the way, it's been written on the refrigerator for a couple months. Both parents have taken the child to piano lessons at the same house of the piano teacher. So everybody knows where it is. It's time to go. It's 1230. It takes a little under half an hour, but almost half an hour to get to the piano teacher's house. Mom and the two kids are out front in the car. 
dad is not there. Dad is the one that's constantly changing the schedule. Dad is the one that somehow looks at time differently. And dad could be a bit of a narcissist. Narcissists can be nice people, by the way, but they control time to the point of making you crazy. And you need to get control back. But you can't do it in an argument because it will upset the family. So mom gets on the cell phone. Dad's in the house and says, honey, we're outside waiting uh, to go to the piano recital uh, rehearsal. And dad says, oh, you know what? I'll be down in 20 minutes. I'm just jumping in the shower. Well, mom could lose her shit and scream and yell. What are you talking about? You knew when we had to leave. You know how long it takes to get there. You know that there's a rehearsal. Come on, you always do this. I can't believe you're doing it yet again. Or mom could use Biff, brief, informative, friendly, and firm. And here's how mom could handle it. Okay, honey, I totally understand. You take your time. If we wait 20 minutes, we're totally going to be late. So we're going to leave now. The address is on the refrigerator, but you've been there. You know where it is. We look forward to seeing you when you get there. Mom did not upset the kids. There's apparently two cars, as there is in most families. Kids are fine. Little girl isn't upset. She knows she's going to get there, and she knows daddy is going to get there, too. Dad would not miss it. Biff, brief, informative, friendly, and firm. Works every time. Okay, now, communication in court. Well, sometimes you're just going to have to go to court. As much as I would love for everybody to have an out-of-court divorce, they can't. Either they can't even afford to hire me or an online service to file. They have to use the self-help center and therefore... Uh, and, and therefore they have not cleaned up their communication. <laughs> They're fighting and they have to go to hearings for child support, spousal support, a co-parenting schedule. And here's how you can communicate in court. Not arguing. So the bad communication is they argue. They argue. They're in front of a judge, but they continue to argue because they can't control themselves. And there's there are two judges I want to cite in how they handle this. So the first judge, uh, Judge Michelle Lorenz. Now she's no longer a judge, a family law judge in Illinois. She's now a mediator. But she wrote a book called The Good Karma Divorce. And in it, she explained that when she had people representing themselves in her courtroom, and they were arguing right in front of her. She said, look, you're not ready to get divorced. You are not ready to make the decisions that you need to make in my courtroom. So I'm going to end the hearing. I'm going to order you to either get therapy, either calm down, start talking differently to one another, reschedule the hearing, and then come back and we can calmly work out the details of your divorce. So cool, isn't it? A judge that promotes amicable divorce. And then there's another judge, and this, what he said absolutely kills me. Judge Terry A. Crown, he's in Indiana. 
the I states, Illinois, Indiana. And Judge Terry Crone has been quoted as saying, when I get pro-par litigants, people representing themselves, in my courtroom, I guarantee you they will be fighting over the velvet Elvis painting metaphor. There is always a velvet Elvis painting in every divorce, and it's never about the velvet Elvis painting. It is always about the hurt that hasn't been dealt with before they filed for divorce. And he sends them away too. And he says, "Uh uh-uh, take care of your feelings. Come back when you can calmly have a discussion with me. So these are even judges who want this. Now, how you show up matters. This is a phrase I got from Dr. Deborah Dupree. Her company is called Relationships at Work, and her podcast is called Relationships at Work. I, I, I really do. Um, I, I do suggest you listen to this. And Deborah Dupree wrote a book. I think the subtitle is How You Show Up Matters. And she's really talking about mediation, but how you show up in court matters. Look your best. You know, you're in front of a judge. Don't come in looking like you're ready to clean up the yard. Don't do that. Get your hair looking good, you know, clean up, nails, hair. You don't have to wear a suit. It's not required. You can't wear flip-flops. You can't wear shorts. You can't look like you're on the beach going to vacation as soon as you're done with the hearing. No, you dress appropriately. You wear a nice outfit. Again, it doesn't have to be formal, but wear a nice clean outfit. You don't have to wear a tie, gentlemen. You know, it can be open collar, but you don't wear gaudy jewelry like you're going to be in a rap video. Not that I have anything against rap videos. I don't, but this is court. So you have to dress down for court. Dress up in terms of not looking like you're on vacation. Dress down and don't look like you're going to a flashy affair. That's how you deal with court. You're always respectful to the judge and you are respectful to the other person. So if nobody's representing either litigant, be respectful to your spouse. As hard as it is, keep a calm demeanor, use the the skills that I already taught you, pleasant tone of voice, don't blame, don't be arrogant, don't take the high road. There is no high road. There's just the calm road the respectful road. Once you talk about high road, that's your ego coming in and you don't want to do that either. If there is a nasty attorney representing your spouse, but you can't afford it, you don't really think the divorce warrants you also spending that kind of money, but you have to represent yourself, you have to speak, the nicer you can be, It will make the arrogant attorney look like a bully and look horrible. And judges don't like bullies, even bullying attorneys. Judges don't like to see an attorney pummel an unrepresented client. But you have to go in educated. You have to know your stuff. You can't cry. You have to go in well-informed, so spend an hour or two with an attorney getting the law straight and come in knowledgeable. Come in 
Um, you can address the ill behavior of the attorney. You know, you can say something like, I understand you're doing your best to represent my spouse, but that doesn't have to include being disrespectful to me. Can we just please agree to speak in a respectful tone of voice to each other? You say that, what judge is not going to support you? Seriously. You have just leveled the playing field. And I have a friend who's also a colleague in, in, in the divorce business. She represented herself. Her sp- and she was the earning spouse. She earned more money years ago. And uh, her spouse had an attorney with, who was like 900, 1,000 an hour. Ridiculous amount of money to spend on a divorce that didn't have anything. So she handled herself like a charm. She did not behave uh, badly. And she just said, I really would like to make this as amicable as possible. And so I would just like us to treat each other with respect and dignity. Is that okay? Can I, can we be in agreement on that? Leveled the playing field. Turned out beautifully, completely beautifully. And now lastly, media, speaking in mediation. All right. So how you show up matters. A, be educated about the law. Do not come without knowing anything and expecting your mediator to teach you the law. Mediators should not be teaching the law. Mediators should be taking two well-informed people and then going into creative problem solving with them. So how you show up matters. You show up educated and you show up looking good. I cannot tell you how many women show up looking like shit. Hair askew, looking disheveled, looking like they just cleaned the house. And some of these are professional women. And I'm like, how do you do this? How do you not know that the way you look matters? The way you look, if you put yourself together well, and it doesn't mean you don't have to be a beauty queen for heaven's sakes. You just need to clean up. You just need to have your hair looking good, your outfit looking good, come a little bit early. You'll get all the respect from your other spouse that you can possibly get. I guarantee you. I mean, how do you feel if your spouse turns up looking like crap? You know? Did he respect the process? No. Does he respect himself? No. How does that make you feel? Or how does that make you react to him? Well, not very well. But when two people show up ready to roll, educated, you know, professionally dressed, properly dressed to do a negotiation, things do work better. And hopefully you have the right mediator that can, you know, work with both of you and start working on creative problem solving. So listening without interrupting. All right. So now you're in a mediation, you're educated, you show up looking good, paperwork in order. Now, this is really hard. Let me tell you, I have been part of a mediation. It was a business mediation, but I was organized. I had already been a mediator for some years. I know how it works. And even I was nervous. 
It's not the most comfortable situation. Even mediation isn't because you're there to solve problems. You don't ever want to have problems. And when you're getting divorced, you just are not settled. So you really should put a binder together with index tabs, organize the information, support documents for things that are going to have to be divided. Uh, documentation, maybe your tax returns, if we're going to be doing spousal and child support. And even with the best laid plans, get ready for being nervous and just saying, I'm nervous. Hold on. I'm really well organized. I just need to catch my breath. And okay, here, I found it. Be yourself. Admit when you're nervous. It really melts everything. It melts hostility. When some person says, you know, I'm a little nervous right now, people understand that. Even the most brutal people understand that. And certainly your mediator will go to bat for you if you simply say, look, I'm just a little nervous, but I'm organized. Hold on a minute. I, I just want to find my paperwork. And if your spouse gives you any lip, isn't that always the way? Ignore it. Just ignore it. Or just say, I, I really am sorry. I don't want to cause anybody, you know, any pain. I'm, I'm, I, I really did look. I did put this in order. You know, just be a little vulnerable. Vulnerability does work in your favor sometimes. Now you're negotiating. Don't grimace or make negative facial gestures. I mean, that's so easy for people to do. So, you know, one of the ground rules in mediation is don't interrupt each other. So people will not interrupt sometimes, but they're not really listening with the intention of actually finding out what's going on or what the, their spouse is really communicating. They're listening and they're putting defenses together. Well, that's no way to listen. Just relax. Just you're going to get your chance to talk, but don't make, don't do that. Don't do that. That's ridiculous. And that doesn't serve you well. Just, or don't do anything. Just listen. Let your face be in a neutral position. Practice in the mirror. Practice in the mirror, listening to things that that you know make you crazy, that you know are going to be brought up in mediation, that you've heard your spouse say a million times before, and he or she says them just to get your goat, just to make you angry. Practice listening to those in your head, stand in front of a mirror, and just keep your face expressionless best way to do it. You have to practice a little bit. Um, and don't say, okay, are you done yet? People do it all the time. Don't say it. You'll know when they're done. They'll stop talking when they're done. And listen, I'm saying this to everybody because I'm starting to say this as a mediator. You don't need to repeat yourself many times over. Women have a tendency to keep saying things over and over. You don't need to do it. Your spouse can hear you. The mediator will ask for clarification if what you've said needs it for them. You know, don't forget your mediator doesn't know you 
and they're getting used to your style of communication. Some people don't communicate well on a good day. I have a friend who talks in circular motion. She'll say half a sentence and move on to something else and say half a sentence and move on to something else. And that's just when we're normally talking. And I have to keep going back and saying, please finish your sentence. Please finish your sentence. I I need to understand what you're saying because I'm interested in what you're saying. And it happens so often in mediation. People will start saying, you know, something important that they need to communicate. And then they'll just in mid-sentence say something else, go into another direction. I have to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I really want to hear you finish your sentence. I, I need to hear the message you want me to understand. People just don't get it. People are not used to communicating clearly. It really is a problem in our society. Um, So practice explaining and saying what you need to say with whatever you're asking for in the mediation. Just practice giving clear Speaking from the heart, next point, I statements. And try not to use you, the second person, personal pronoun, you. Try not to use that. When when we say you, 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 your, it really puts people on the defensive normally. And you, you have to practice not doing that for mediation. So, you know, when you're saying things like, well... The reason why I'm requesting alimony or spousal support is because I raised the family. My role was to be at home, to pick the kids up from school, to cook, to do their homework, which I happily did. Do not blame. But because I now have to, because we are not working in the same, living in the same household, um, I need spousal support or alimony to augment whatever job I get. I'm jumping the track on whatever job I get. Most spouses cannot pay you enough in child or spousal support because their income isn't there, so that you don't have to work. It's really hard, depending on what city and what state you live in, it's really hard. Most people who receive spousal and child support are going to have to augment that with working. It's it's just a reality. Don't argue it. It's going to happen. And you know what? It's the best thing that could happen. Because that level of independence feels really good at a certain point. It really does. So um, don't cop attitude, don't fight, speak from the I position. Well, if you hadn't done what you did, if you hadn't had that affair, we wouldn't be here today. So I really don't care whether you don't have enough money at the end of the month to live on. This is the way it is. You made your bed. Now you have to sleep in it. Oh, believe me, that is said. So that doesn't get you anywhere. No. That gets you nowhere. Everybody knows he or she screwed up. And that's why the divorce is happening. Everybody knows that. Be silent if if your spouse says, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I mean, that leaves me no money. Be silent. Do not rub it in. 
Do not lick your chops and say, oh, gotcha. Now you're suffering like I am. It's so pointless. I know that may be in your heart and you can secretly do that if you choose for a little while and then you have to do the forgiveness thing. Why? Not to let the other person off the hook, but to change you, to soften you, to get you out of emotional jail. That's why the forgiveness piece is part of the communication piece. Without the forgiveness, you can't change your communication. And the forgiveness comes with settling the emotional divorce before you file for the legal divorce. And if you've already filed for the legal divorce and you're going through hell on wheels and you're listening to this, pause the legal divorce. Ask for some time to regroup so that you can emotionally recharge yourself and come back to the filing process, to the mediation process in a better position to communicate so that you can control your feelings, control your own situation, and exercise good control over the trajectory of how your divorce is playing out. And I am telling you, there was a story in one of Bill Eddy's books, Biff, Brief, Informative, Friendly, and Firm, where a woman wrote in and said, I practiced Biff to the letter, no pun intended, And my spouse, as we were signing the final divorce paperwork, said, I really appreciate that you didn't argue with me. I know I gave you a hard time. I was angry. I was upset. I didn't know how to express myself. But thank you so much for not engaging in a battle with me. You taught me a lot. I am telling you. You have more control than you think if you understand how to communicate. All right. Well, I hope that helped because honestly, communication is where it's at in every situation in life. And I really, really, really want to help you both have a much better divorce. If you have a response to this, if you would like me to coach you on this, I do private coaching. I would love to help you with communication. I love role playing. I'm good at role playing. I am good at handling communication and I want to share that with you. So please do not fail to call me if you want me to do some private coaching on this. All righty. Thank you for joining me. Um, any suggestions with any topics, you can reach me through this website, theamicabledivorceexpert.com, through my email, judith at theamicabledivorceexpert.com. And as always, have an amicable day. That's our show for today. Thank you for joining us. Be good to yourselves, be kind to your spouse, and cherish your children above all else. 